Alrighty, welcome to Musical Osmosis, where intelligent dissident thought meets melodic euphonious reality. I am your musically magnanimous host, Nick the Saucy One Cat Source, broadcasting to you as always from the top of Meth Mountain, Tennessee. And I also want to introduce my procussively proficient co-host. He is calling in from Charm City, Maryland, my pal Odell. Hey, what's going on, man? Nothing, you know, it's... Think about this, man. We've been friends for over 25 years. How insane is I that? I know. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's it's uh it's the wildest thing. Like, you know, you're getting up there. Like our kids, when I say the 90s, they're like, whoa, the 90s. That was so long ago. And I'm like, they didn't have cell phones. Like my my littlest one, we were watching a movie, and the guy picked up a payphone. And, you know, phone at the paper, and she looked at it, she's like, what is he doing? I was like, oh, that's a payphone. She was like, when was this movie made? And I told her, she was like, wow. Oh, did she think it was the 1800s or something? Yeah. (laughs) She was like, what's a payphone? I was like, oh, my goodness. (laughs) And it's crazy, too, man, because they say, like, um, life goes by quick. But I think, Mm -hmm. to me, life didn't go by quick. The amount of time it stopped me from feeling like a kid to an adult went by quick. You know what I'm saying? Like four years ago, I felt like I just graduated high school. And now I feel like an old gotcha. man. And there wasn't much of the creepy <laughs> middle of a Twinkie in between. There was just like young, reckless, punk rock idiot and like grumpy <laughs> old man. And it almost happened over. And actually, it happened in November of uh, 2015, oddly, or 2016, <laughs> oddly enough. That's when I really started feeling old. Actually, January um, of 2017 is when I really started aging. Something was going on, man. Wow. (laughs) And speaking of horrible things and COVID, I actually have my hair in a ponytail for the first time in 10 years because I haven't left the house since March. (laughs) (laughs) At least you have hair to put in a ponytail. I have been rocking the bald head since 98, so... Well, you know, I haven't, um, I haven't been blessed with a lot of good physical features, but I do still at 49 have a thick, just dark Greek head of hair. And for that, I am thankful to Socrates and Pericles <laughs> and all of my ancestors for bestowing upon me <laughs> this beautiful John Stamos flowing locks. John Stamos. <laughs> I don't know what was up with Telly Savalas. There's no way he was actually bald. Nah, he was just playing it all. He, he was too cool, so he, you know. Yeah, his hair must have you just know. all jumped off him because it was too cool for the ride. He was just too cool. Yeah, they were like, you know what, Tell we can't give you hair, man. That's just too much. Who loves you, baby? <laughs> all right, Dee, um, do you want to tell everybody where to find us on the magical interwebs before we get tonight's guest in here? Of course. It's super duper easy. All you have to do is go to musicalosmosis.com and you can check out our reviews and videos and all the podcast episodes and all kinds of great stuff or you can also just look for musical osmosis podcast in whatever podcasty thing you do the itunes and the other you know the i don't know we're probably we're, we're probably on almost all insta of them. chats and the twitter uh, the insta chats and, and the webagrams and and the, uh, and, and the, the doohickeys <laughs> yeah, all that stuff and and the my and the my face and the book google yeah. thing Yes. Odell, episode 110 tonight. Incredible, right? I know, isn't it? 110 episodes, man. And most podcasts don't make it past the first, like, dozen episodes. How have we done I it? Know. Just, you know. Tenacity. Your grit. 
And when I'm not doing this, we just launched a new podcast. We got about a dozen episodes up called Apocalyptic Peanut Butter, where we talk about all things end of the world. Mm-hmm. We need to start putting apocalyptic tips in there on how to survive whatever comes next, right? Uh, yeah, it's kind of hard to know what's going to come next. I mean, did you have oh, murder yeah. hornets last month? I didn't have murder hornets last month. I was not on my apocalypse bingo card. And I then have... I heard something about pigs eating money or something today. I, I don't I don't know. My brain is so warped from just life. I can't even. It's, uh, That's why I've been retreating in Welcome Back Carter DVDs and old video games. Donkey Kong and Welcome Back Carter go. is my safe space. There you go. That's how I'm feeling. All right, let's get tonight's guest in here. Tonight's super groovy guest is a high-energy, charismatic singer and musician who has played over 1,000 shows over the past 20 years. She is beloved by her fans and always upbeat from the musical glamorous band The Dolly Rots. The dazzling Kelly Ogden is here. Kelly, Kelly, Kelly. Hello. Aw, shucks. Really? That can't be right. (laughs) <laughs> Absolutely. Trying to spread the good vibes over here from my hermetically sealed bubble up here on Meth Mountain. I do my best. Sounds like you do a great job, although I am interested in your Apocalypse podcast as well. Right on. Well, I'll send you um, a link. We're actually having Mary Birdsong <laughs> from Reno 911 on this week. Nice. So- so that's going to be a lot of fun. All right, so let's talk business here. Um, I'm going to start the way I always start, first by thanking you and then by asking you how, as a musician and as a human, are you dealing with the current crisis? Uh, pretty much the same as I was before the crisis, crises. Um, <laughs> I, I, I connect with my fans over the Internet on a daily basis. Um, I have a radio show that I do every single weekday morning on Sirius XM. So that definitely is keeping me busy. It's on underground garage. Um, so that's, that's a lot of work. Um, but I am very, very grateful to have it. It's a wonderful station. Um, and I have two little kids that I didn't have to take on tour. So, oh, and she has, daddy's supposed to have you. Get out of here. <laughs> here comes the dolly tots, right? Oh, uh, that's it. Um, but Sounds so familiar. Has, oh, yeah. What has changed for our band is that, you know, I have no idea when we get to tour and do the big sweaty rock show that kind of invigorates us and makes us feel inspired to make another record. And so that, that definitely sucks. We had to postpone our March tour. We rescheduled it for starting July 19th. Of course, that's going to have to get postponed or canceled. We're probably leaning towards just canceling it because right. even as of now, a bunch of the smaller venues have closed. Um, a lot of yeah. them are in danger of closing. You know, it's 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 too hard to predict what's going to be happening. So I'm afraid we'll have to just take a year and a half off touring, which sucks, but Thank God there's the internet, you know. Thank God we're not using payphones still, and we have the internet, so exactly. I can play shows online. And it's, you know, that that is pretty awesome. To we we play online shows. We were doing every single Sunday um, for ten weeks in a row, starting March 13th, I believe. Um, wow! But then we we started doing every other weekend now, so so that works. Hey, hey uh, Kelly, just with the the uh, the little ones, 
how 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 do you all do it? I mean, it's it's so cool that you document everything too, which is which is amazing. But you you're 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 playing in a band. You're playing in a band with your husband. You're you're um, raising a family. Uh, they're in school now. How, how how does that all work? How where's where, where does where does the energy come from? <laughs> Not just that, Kelly. When um, I look at your pictures and videos <laughs> online, you guys seem like one of the most functional, stable families in America. Yes. Amen. <laughs> well, I think it starts with the fact that Lewis and I still really like each other, which is a pretty crazy feat. We also have been friends and together over 25 years. Um, wow. We met in eighth grade. Wow. Yeah, and we've been together since high school. So, you know, we we have a history, and we pretty much are one human being in a lot of ways. <laughs> and we've gotten awesome. really good at just, you know, we kind of tag team things, you know, like, I don't know, we'll just have blocks of work time where, you know, one of us will go, we have a studio in the backyard separate from the house. So that's like the work zone. So it'll be like, all right, I'm going to go back there for a couple hours and then tag the other one in and then go do kid stuff. And it it has been very challenging with them being home and not in school, of mm-hmm. course. Um, mm-hmm. But our kids don't really prefer us as teachers, although we try. I mean, part of it is <laughs> our son had the, the best kindergarten teacher in the world. But, you know, they miss their friends. I miss my friends. It's it's definitely a weird time. But, you know, we were talking about it before we went live. It's like I I have jobs. I have a home. I have food. I'm healthy. I'm white. You know, I got a lot of things going for me right now. <laughs> Most certainly. I, I wake up very grateful with so much privilege. And I I just want to be a better human and and you know, not a complainer, just try and prepare and do the best that I can do. And, you know, I, I do definitely try and just make sure that I'm grateful for things, you know, rather than missing the things that we don't have right now. And you sound pretty grounded. So I'm assuming you're not buying into any 5G deep state radio control bats built by Bill Gates in the deep state to depopulate planet flat earth bullshit, right? No, but I do like to read about it. I think it's, it's very interesting, but it's also frightening to me how easily Amen. Some people will fall into. Oh, I think it's just become shocking to me. I also feel like I went from like crazy punk kid to grumpy old person where I just I can't believe the lack of reasoning that people have, the lack yeah. of empathy yeah. towards other people. Mm-hmm. I cannot believe that wearing a mask is a political thing right now. I just, yes. it's, it's, it's shocking to me the level of distrust people have in the media and each other. And it's just devolving. I feel like there's no one in control of anything. And it's just a little, I don't know, anarchy in the USA. kind of. But it's this mock, like outrage of everything today the big outrage is the aunt jemima bottle is like changing her mascot along yeah. with the lando lakes and uncle ben and you go on these comic threads that are like oh civil war i want my country back how dare you it's like dude you care about syrup this much like that's what you got going yeah. on in your life where butter yeah. makes yeah. you this plastic straws gillette razors like all these you can't go to one band page and like one musician says something political and a whole comment thread is like oh that's it i'm burning all your albums like it's nuts oh, how yeah. invested they are 
I mean, look we at the Rage Against the Machine thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it's but like, they, oh, I don't like my... I'm like, what? On that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, <laughs> they, they have kind of built their, you know, they've always been a political band, though, and that's it's one of the hardest parts about being a public figure. And, I mean, you guys probably get this, too, but you... You know, I have a private Facebook page with a fake name where I can be myself, you know, and I mm-hmm. share things and I say things. But then for me to or the band to say something publicly on the Internet, so much thought goes into it. And, you know, it, it really is insane the level of division there is right now. I posted something um it was very early, I guess it was like two or three weeks ago about, you know, if you're going to a protest, here are some things to keep in mind. Um, this is how you prepare, you know, make sure mm-hmm. you bring all these things. And people, like, I just didn't know how many racist fans we had. And I'm kind of like, goodbye. Like, I don't yeah. need you. I don't need you yelling at my fans in the comment section. It, I was just, I was pretty shocked in some way. Um, saddened mostly, but you know, it's, it's just, it's weird. I guess we get to see people's true colors a little bit more right now, though. And oh, I yeah. think it hopefully will unify us more than it will divide us in the end. Because, you know, the loudest people are, are the loudest. And as cats yeah, always seem the majority. like they're going to hurt you or exactly. something. I've put declarations up on our music page. And somebody's like, you just lost a fan. And I'm like, dude, we I, we don't talk about it all the time, but we talk about politics here or there on the show. There's no way yeah, you didn't yeah. know my politics if you listen to the po- if you listen to the podcast. So I'm not losing yeah. a fan. I'm losing an asshole who no. ran across this thread telling me I'm losing a fan because if you knew exactly. anything about me, you would already know where I stand on these issues. Yeah. Oh yep. yeah, and people be like oh you're not a political band shut your mouth and play your dumb pop music and it's like if you ever listened to one full dolly ross album you would know exactly you know what mm-hmm. we're about and that we we have a political song on every album right like, on purpose you know just to make sure people know what we are but exactly. yeah this exactly. one guy was like I'm canceling my patreon I've been a fan forever and I went and looked it up and he was lying he wasn't even a patron yeah, of course. So, I mean, that's so, what they always so do. So weird. Uh, yeah. Just like these guys, no, like, um, they were going to boycott CBS Plus. CBS Plus, it's an add-on channel because of the Twilight Zone. Um, What's his name from Get Out? Jordan Peele. Jordan Peele. They're like, Jordan, Jordan Peele. Peele makes new Twilight oh. Zone. We're banning the new uh, the CBS Plus. I said, but it's a subscription service. What? How are you going to boycott something? What, are you going to pay the extra nine bucks a month and then not watch it? I don't understand even oh what you're gosh. saying, dude. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's just no, it's, nutty. It's, yeah. it's so wild. And I think the thing that sort of stings, and, I, and, 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 and Nick and I, we grew up together. So it's like just some of our friends, well, people that we thought were friends with, and you just see their, like you said, you see their posts. And I'm like, man, and, and me, me being African-American, I'm like, I wonder what you say after I leave the party or after I leave hanging out or what, what, what are you, what, you know, what are you talking about when I'm not in the room and, or, or our friends that we clearly know are not racist at all leave. What, you know, it's like, how did you go this long? (laughs) I don't don't, don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I don't, I don't know. But it's also, it's very weak definition. Some people have mm-hmm. racism, right? Like some people think unless you're actually in the Klan burning crosses, you're not a racist. 
Like they don't. I don't yeah. even think they understand right. what the word racist means. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So uh, all right, let's move on to music stuff because yeah. this is going to become a bummer real quick. And I can already hear <laughs> 20 angry people never listen to music authors again. Um, here's what I was thinking about when I was checking you guys out because you're fairly new on my radar. And I'm always shocked when a really good band like you guys pops on my radar. And I'm like, God, they've been around 20 years. I feel like an asshole. I haven't heard of them. Mm-hmm. Because I've only heard of you guys like three or four months ago. You guys popped up on my feed somehow and i started checking it out and i was like all oh, right this is right on all right so awesome. I'm, I'm thinking about all your stuff i'm looking at your long colorful history showing up in places you wouldn't expect to see a punk band like the hp commercial and the price is right and all this crazy stuff mm-hmm. and so you as a, as a musician kind of looking back pre-trump world and you've had two children and now you're enduring this lockdown, COVID-19, collapsing economy, um, civil upheaval, protests, the stuff with the police, the constant hate drum of Trump's like Twitter page exploding. Does it feel like to you that music is not as important as it was a few years ago? Or does it feel even more important? Because a lot of people use music as one of their only refuge during tough times like this. I think it's it's hard to tell just yet. I think that music is something that's healing a lot of the time. I think it's it's a good way to to get ideas out. It's also a really good distraction. And our band, we have tried to be right in the middle of of pop and punk, be right in the middle, you know, as far as like our lyrics go. You know, you can listen to it on a very surface level and it it just sounds like pleasant, you know, punk with a heavy dose of like old school pop melody and you know we we have always tried to be a band that is there that people can escape into that can we want to make people feel better you know and that's that's generally the the place that we have tried to take up you know in our entire career you know it doesn't it it definitely feels more more wild right now than you know the bush gore election um but right that actually was the determining factor in deciding to be musicians. Um, Lewis was, he was accepted into a med school program. I was supposed to take my GRE exams. Yeah. We have biology degrees and he was pre-med and I was environmental science. And so I was supposed to take my GRE exam the morning after that election happened and we had a big election party and we were so sure that Gore was going to win and then Gore seceded and we collapsed into tears. We were like, the world's going to end. This guy's the worst human being on the planet. We're in for mm-hmm. four to eight years of living in hell. Like my old um, face amp is, is spray painted with this Bush face. It says like one term president, you know, but we, <laughs> we, we were vocal about it without being too pushy so that people could still mm-hmm you know, see us as an escape. And so I kind of think right now I want to give space to, you know, black voices and people that are feeling a lot more about, you know, the current events. And so we've, we've tried to be a little bit more quiet and respectful, um, not because we're afraid to say anything, but because it's not exactly our place right now. Yeah. You know, on my personal Facebook page, I'm blowing up everybody's feed with, whatever I want but as a band you know we're kind of towing that line to try and leave space and you know maybe be a little bit of a happy spot if people need that 
Um, so I don't think we're going to be re- releasing any brand new music that, you know, super happy right now, but, you know, we'll try and do a few things here and there and kind of feel things out with the world and how we all land. And going back real quick, the irony (laughs) is these people saying, like people yelling at you, you're not a political band, just play your happy music, but you were born out of political nihilism. Yeah, That's kind of how the band was born. And then it's like fast forward 20 years later, people are like, you have nothing to do with politics. That's got to be just frustrating (laughs) as hell. Yeah, I never took the GRE exam. Like, that was it. I was like, Bush is going to be president. Well, fuck it. We're going to move to Los Angeles and be in a band for four years. And then we're either going to go to Berkeley or, you know, we'll keep doing the band. And, you know, all these, we just worked our butts off. We had day jobs, like entry-level biology day jobs. I worked at the California Science Center and Lewis worked at a lab. Okay. lab. Um, and so we, we worked our asses off full-time jobs and we went to shows every night or played shows like every single night and we just hustled and had so much fun and met so many people and that's how we ended up places like you know an audition for a hewlett-packard ad or you know all the other things that happened just happened out of us putting ourselves out there and meeting people and and being good people i mean i think you know lewis and i like to be positive but we also think it's really important to be intelligent and educated and so you know we just try to be good people and i think that that's shown through you know in our career that's awesome i know it's funny that you'd say that i've read a uh i know i'm gonna take you back a little bit about 10 years and um i used to be in a a a, a female fronted band and, and it was one of those things where i used to uh tell our our singer when i was like hey you 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 are the, the the focal point of the band. Like, people are coming to see the band, but they're seeing you. So we, you know, we were always like, you know, we need you out to, you know, you know, handle the merch or go and do this, talk to people, yeah. And that. And I was reading your um, your um, uh, an NPR article that you did, and um, oh, yeah. and, and and yeah. <laughs> when you guys were dating. <laughs> yeah. And um and I just want to know how do you think the role of women in music has changed in those 10 years since you did that did that article? Cuz you were very upfront about, you know, this is this is how we're seeing um you know, people's are you know, pretty much stereotypes before we have even played um, and then all of a sudden they're surprised and, and, and I was just wondering, has it, has it changed a lot since there's, I know, uh, uh, since those 10 years, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I would like to say that it's changed, but not too much. I think there definitely are more women, you know, in the, like whatever's left of the rock scene, um, that are right. playing. And I don't think it's that crazy to have a female fronted band, but you know, at the same time, when we get put on shows like, you know, we, we played the last the Warp Tour reunion, or we play this punk fest in Florida every year in Gainesville called Fest, and we're always on a girl show. You know, we don't we don't get to play a band show like a just regular show. We're always with the girls. Um, uh, and gotcha. you know, I yeah, so it's it's kind of strange. I mean, it's probably like you know, I don't know, being African American like rock band if you like there are these like you know it's like a punk band like bad brains or something like mm-hmm, you kind of mm-hmm. stick out which which i think in in a lot of ways has helped our band too you know 
because we were different, because it was a female-fronted band and other female-fronted bands, I think sometimes we do get a little bit more attention than, you know, just if we were a three-piece and we were just guys, you know, then maybe we wouldn't have gotten on Warped Tour. You know, maybe the fact that we are a female-fronted band and there are fewer of us, that means we got a spot. So, you know, it, it can feel a little bit demeaning sometimes to me, but at the same time, I know that it's also helped us in, in some ways. Um, it is a little bit strange, though. There's a strange competitive nature to women, I think, that has has kind of kept kept a lot of bands down in some weird, weird way. I was talking to Lewis about it the right. other night. Like, there, within the scene, you know, there are female, like, all-girl bands, you know, it's like all the all-girl bands are, are different from a band with, you know, a guy and a girl, and, you know, it's like, oh, well, and I'm married, and I have kids, so, you know, I can't be that anti-establishment. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy, and I have a family, and, you know, it, it definitely is kind of a strange thing. I thought it would, would end as, as people grew up a little bit, but mm-hmm. I don't know that it really has you know, and, and it's kind of sad, you know, but there, there have been women that have helped us. I mean, obviously Joan Jett signed us to her label yes. and, you know, she, she would always tell me like, just ignore it, ignore everything, you know, just focus on your craft and you'll get where you need to go. You know, don't think about the gender stuff, you know, just be yourself and play hard. And, you know, Kim Shattuck from the Muff, you know, she, she would help me out. I'd be like, the girl bands hate me. And she'd be like, <laughs> Just please just ignore it. Do your do your thing and ignore it. You know, there's it's so weird the competitiveness. It's it's like that whole thing of like rock and roll and success is not a pie. Like by one of us being successful doesn't take it away from you. But there, exactly. there's a strange mentality still that you know people. It's like a false competition almost sometimes. Strange. I still well, haven't I mean, figured it out. I'm forty forty years old and I still don't know how to play with the girls somehow but i imagine that competition can also be good too because it pushes everybody to like really produce their most creative and best stuff i've I've seen things fall apart when a competition goes away yeah i guess so i mean i'm i'm kind of like all right well and fuck you if you're not going to have me play your shows then i'll just have to be better than you and there are plenty of dude bands that are happy to help my band Right. Maybe they're it's more fun hanging out on a tour bus with them anyway, so screw it. (laughs) Yes. Kinda I still feel that way a lot of the time. It's strange, you know. It's like bowling for soup and buzzcocks have done more for our band than, you know, pretty much anybody except Joan Jett. And it's like there have been so many men and, you know, guy bands that have helped us out that it 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 does make me a little missed in a way. And I, I try to do the opposite. You know, I, I try to on the radio show I have like a new music thing I do every Tuesday and I search far and wide for good female fronted rock bands and a lot of the time I just play guy bands because I don't I can't find it out there and you know, I try and I don't know. It's it's a strange thing. So let me kind of pivot here because I want to go back. You mentioned that HP commercial, and it seems like a lot of the great bands that we have on here, it's not so much about luck, but it's about happenstance. And it just seems like there's Mm -hmm. bands. Do you kind of feel like there are bands that are just meant to exist? Do you believe in kind of the karma cosmic aspect? Or is it like, dude, everything just boils down to hard work and opportunity and timing? Ooh, that's a good question. 
I do. Maybe I'm kind of split. <laughs> I mean, I I do think that there's no way we we would we would be where we are now without the hard work of putting ourselves out there. But once you're in those situations, you have to be the right person and the right the right people, the right group, the right sound, and that's not something that you can force. It's either there or it's not. Right. And Good so point. As, as much as we could control practicing and, you know, trying to be positive, good people in the world and all of that, the music could have sucked. You know, no, sometimes the nicest people in the world have a band and it's just not good. And so, and that doesn't, mm-hmm. I don't believe that the music, it comes just from me and Lewis. I feel like when we're in the right creative space, when we're there's this magical feeling we joke that it like falls out of the sky onto us and the music comes out of us in a way that I feel it isn't just ours you know it I don't sit down and like homework write poetry it's it's more like he'll play a a guitar part and I'll start mumbling a melody and then suddenly I have ideas that like fly into my head that I'm not in control of that aren't necessarily even things that I am conscious of thinking about. And that's what right. the song becomes. So I feel like there's got to be something mystical and magical to it. I don't think that you're completely in control of art. That's a good point, And I tend to agree. And another thing, when we were talking about the HP commercial, kind of the odd spaces you guys show up in, I saw a video of you guys on YouTube playing on the Price is Right and it, my mind was yeah. fucking boggled because I was like, wait, the, I, I, the Price is Right has bands, much less punk bands. I would think Bob Barker would be into like Frank Sinatra or something. The pri- oh, I yeah. guess it was Drew Carey um, that was on hosting on that. But that, how did that come about? That. Yeah, please. So yeah, yeah, please. We yeah we woke up at about 10, 11 a.m. as we we did in those old days, and we were living in L.A. We got this email. It was some acquaintance of a friend um, needed a drummer to play a drum kit on the Price is Right tomorrow. And could our drummer do it? We we're like, of course. So we called Chris and you're like, hey, you know, don't know if you're working tomorrow, but now you're not because you're going to be on the Price is Right. And you're playing a drum kit that they're giving away in the, you know, as one of the prizes, right? And so it was Gibson guitars and a drum kit. And and so he called and they're like, yeah, dude, okay, show up at 10 o'clock and you can bring two guests. And so he's like, you guys have to come with me. And so me and Lewis are sitting in the, the audience wearing our shirts. And at the end of every episode, whoever, you know, becomes a contestant or, you know, is doing something special gets to go and meet Drew and walk around the stage and look at all the stuff up close. So we, of course, brought Drew a shirt and a CD, and we walk around, and we're waiting in line, and he's talking to somebody, and he just, like, completely ignores them. We're wearing Dolly Rot shirts, too, like complete dorks, because you're supposed to wear matching clothes on The Price is Right. All we had was merch, so we're like, well, we'll just wear Dolly Rot shirts. <laughs> so he looks at us, and he's like, you've got to be shitting me. You're the fucking Dolly Rot. We are like, oh, my God, this is not the way what? we expected this to go. Why did you oh. hear you know who we are? He's like, yeah, he's like, I love your band. You know, I hear you on Little Steven's Underground Garage. You're one of my favorite bands. And he was like, you got to come play on the show. And we are like, have you ever had a band on The Price is Right? He's like, no, but we're going to. 
And <laughs> he totally made it happen. And so Blackheart Records even rushed a 45 out so that we would have some product to give away. And we were like, the showcase showdown was a Mercedes because there's a line in our song that we played about a Mercedes. <laughs> like it was oh, bananas. Wow. But from that day forward, we're really good friends with Drew Carey. Like we text each other almost every day and send jokes and memes. And like, I don't, I feel like we are charmed and it, it wasn't a choice. It's not something that we could have made happen. I do feel like there's something that has helped us along that is out of our control. And, right. and maybe it's just being open to those ideas. I mean, we have a joke that no matter what any, like, no matter what the question is, our rule in life is to say yes, which sometimes has been way more than we feel like we can handle, but we always find a way to, to make that happen. And I guess part of it is the old, like, throwing up shit at the wall, something's going to stick. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure what it is, but, you know, we're, we're equally the hardest working band you probably know, but also very lucky. And saying yes is important. Um, D can tell you, yeah. I always say yes to stuff. And the last thing that we did before yeah. this lockdown, we were in New York performing in a play. And the whole oh, time wow. I was on stage going, holy shit. It was, like, how did I get here? And I don't belong here. I cannot act. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing here. Oh, yeah. But I was like, you know, I had the experience and nobody can ever take that away from me. And I got to work with a lot of me. just amazing people. And it was an amazing experience. And I don't know if I would ever do it again because I felt like – I mean, I couldn't even get the blocking, like the stage direction down. And I told yeah, – um, it's yeah. funny because we did a podcast with the whole cast, and I said, you know, I have been just fucking up left and right, and you guys are so gracious. I'm from a place like if I hit a wrong chord, somebody throws a bottle at my head. Like that's how I'm used to like <laughs> yeah. doing it in the punk world. And then I come here and make 12 mistakes in a row. Oh, don't worry about it. You're doing great. I almost didn't even know how to yeah. process it. Right, D? Me and D were both <laughs> in the play. It was a, quite an experience. Yes. So what even though he, he thinks he was terrible and we just kind of stumbled upon it because it was somebody that we already knew. And she's like, hey, I, I, I need some people to be these parts and it pays. So I can officially say that I... I'm an off-Broadway paid actor, and that's awesome. That so cool. <laughs> it was there called The Soul by um, Katie McHale, and it won oh, a bunch amazing. of awards. I don't, yeah, it's really and it's like, oh, I was in an award-winning New York play, and I don't know how to act cool. at all. Yeah, but I luckily only had about six lines, so there was only so much of it I could screw up. <laughs> yeah, I, I, can, I can also emphasize with those feelings. <laughs> Every time I get somewhere new, I'm like, oh my god, how did I end up here? They're gonna, they're gonna realize I'm not supposed to be here and like kick me out or fire me or you know, it's like I'm, yes. I'm totally not the one that's supposed to be in this space right now. But, but clearly you're there for a reason. Yeah, well, I thrive off those Forrest Gump type situations. I like being <laughs> yeah, in odd joke. spaces too. Yeah, <laughs> we joke about that being punk rock Forrest Gump. All right, let's play um, a song off the new album. I want to play my favorite song, which is Last Ones on Earth, which is from your new album, um, Daydream Explosion. Do you want to set this song up? Anything you want to tell us about it before we hit play? Well, it's one of our apocalyptic songs. We we have a lot of political and apocalyptic songs, which is surprising because they all sound really happy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got to keep, um, keep your head up. All right. 
Let's play some last ones on Earth. is still spinning we are talking with kelly ogden from the dolly rots and i want to talk about your latest album daydream explosion um after 20 years the writing process has it changed over the years do you have little formulas now a little routine to go through to write or is it just very organic and just kind of let things go where they go um it's still the the hardest thing that lewis and i do together still it's no easier it's no less stressful, and it's the only time we fight. 
Oh wow. So yeah, it's so strange. You would you would think that after all this time it has gotten easier, but it really hasn't. I think part of it is that he likes to feel aggressive and he he is the punk side and and I'm the other side. So where he comes from musically and what he wants to create is a little more angsty. And mm -hmm. I like, you know, pop melodies and sensibilities. And so, you know, that's, that's what creates the music. Um, like we get called pop punk a lot, but we don't listen to pop punk, you know, I mean, we do, but it's, that's not what we're influenced by. We're influenced by, you know, seventies, eighties, punk rock and girl groups and nineties alternative music and right, you know, right. pretty much it. So, you know, it wasn't, we didn't grow up listening to like, I don't know, Simple Plan and Newfound Glory. I couldn't even tell you a single song of theirs if you asked me. Some 41 I did listen to. But it's strange because it, it sounds like similar music, I think, but that's just kind of what comes out of us because of our influences. Um, and of course, I mean, I like that kind of music. We tour with Bowling for Soup. We love Bowling for mm -hmm. Soup. But, but yeah, it's, the writing process hasn't really changed. And it was interesting. I, I did a record with Jarrett Reddick, the singer, front guy of Bowling for Soup. We put out a record called, yeah, we put out a record called Jarrett and Kelly Sitting in a Tree. Our band is called Jarrett and Kelly. Very clever. Um, but <laughs> writing with him was very different. Um, you know, I, it was, I was terrified. It was another thing that I immediately regretted agreeing to because so like oh god I, I shouldn't be doing this. this is a terrible idea <laughs> i don't know how to write songs like i can just write songs with lewis i don't know what i'm doing and you know i, I did <laughs> learn that that's not true but you know it was kind of interesting to see what came out of me with a different writing partner and it, it was very different um which is cool you know i feel like it's a neat exercise to do and you know, I, I like doing both things, but, but yeah, I think the Dolly Rot sound comes out of a little bit of, it's puppy love and, you know, childish romance, because that's all either of us have experienced, because we've been together since we were 17. So when we write a love song, we pretty much still write it as like 17 year olds or slightly depressed parents that are in a relationship. <laughs> and we try to hide that, you know, so it's, it's kind of strange. Those are the two things we can pull from when we're not writing a song about a friend, <laughs> which we do too. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's definitely the most challenging part of what we do is the songwriting. Um, and I always get very anxious and nervous, you know, it's like, Oh, we got to write tonight. Yeah. I'll be sick over it all day. Just wow. Because, wow. Yeah. But I, I think that that in the same way that, I started getting really sick of touring. Like we, we toured and toured and toured and toured for, I mean, it was like eight years solid. And I was like, that's it. I'm done. Like, I can't do it anymore. I don't even feel anything. I just want to like drink my drinks before I get on stage, play it and be, you know, just go party. Like yeah. I was like the, the yeah. on stage part. It just, I didn't feel anything anymore. And so, you know, we stopped and now I get, I get really nervous before every show. And I feel like, that makes me feel something and perform something and it makes it more real to me than if I didn't care. Yeah. I guess. Well, that makes you, that definitely makes you, you know, I always heard that like when I, when I used to play sports and then when I started playing music, you know, I never forget one of my coaches cause I would be like, Oh my gosh, I'm so nervous. And he was like, that means you care. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a sign that you really care. Now, you know, you got to control yeah. it, 
but he was like, but if you if you go out here and you're just playing or you're playing you know playing a game or if you're playing a show and you're just like, oh well, you know, like you said, I'm gonna get a drink and here I go again. Can't wait to get this done. Forty five minutes and then yeah. I'm back in the van or on the bus, you know, partying. You know, you, you're not yeah. caring, and and I and eventually that will show, and um and that's something yeah. that you don't want to do to everybody else in the band. Yeah, so, that's an excellent yeah. point. Yeah. So. Do you yeah. have any preconceived notion? In other words, if you're like, well, the last album was a little bit harder, so we're going to try to lighten this one up, or do you just play and whatever comes out comes out, or do you have a preconceived notion like where you want to go from year to year with this band? It's just whatever comes out. And it seems yeah. to serve you well, too. Mm-hmm. I guess. So far, so good. I mean, I, I've been more proud of each record as we put them out. I mean, I think they show musical growth, but not enough to make our fans not like it. So it's just the right amount, I feel. Um, and, and, you know, we're growing as, as individuals too. And so there's there's a little bit more depth, I think, sometimes. Um, we do try to write stupid songs on purpose sometimes. So um, at least a couple per record. When we start a new project, we see what's coming out, but we like to, to create an LP that's a listening experience that, you know, it doesn't have to tell a story or be a concept record, but it, it needs to ebb and flow in a way that you can listen the whole way through. And so if, you know, if we're writing a bunch of more aggressive, angry kind of songs, it's like, all right, you gotta, let's, let's pick a tempo and see what comes mm-hmm. out. If we do a slower one or, you know, we do like to do a ballad per record. So if, if we haven't made something ballady yet, we'll kind of start a song at that tempo with, you know, a, like a three quarter time gotcha. rhythm or something. Um, but as far as subject matter or anything deeper than that, we, we kind of just let it go and see what happens. And we write a lot of songs per record. And so we drop the ones. Oh that yeah. Fit. Um, so and then we usually, we put them out of singles or whatever. Let's talk fan base. Cause we'll have a band on here like Fu Manchu that's been together forever. And they'll say, you know, I've had like, I'll see some of the same faces over the course of 15, 20 years. And then we talk to yeah. some bands who their fan base is constantly changing because they're kind of changing a little bit or evolving. Do you guys kind of carry the same type of fan base you did 15 years ago? Or do you, do you notice it gets a younger and younger crowd and the older people start filtering out? What is your fan base like from show to show? Year to year. Um, they've been very, very loyal. Um, so we we first got a, a true sense of that when we left Blackheart Records and we, we started doing crowdsourcing projects instead of having a label fund the albums. And so, you know, that first crowdsourcing, we did it on Kickstarter. It was right when Amanda Palmer did her million-dollar Kickstarter. And we're like, all right, well, seemed to work for her. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and we set a very modest goal. I think it was 7500 bucks because we had saved up enough that if we got that much, we could release the record ourselves. And our fans just showed us how much we could count on them. And it's those same fans, you know, um, really bad with years. So the first fan-funded record we had came out in I think I think 2010-ish, and so that's what we've done up until this point. And it's the same people, a lot of the same people, um, but it grows every time. So we're not losing fans as more as we're just adding on, you know, year after year. And it's mm-hmm. it's part of the reason I'm so sad that we're not going to tour this year because not only 
do we we do the like we do the same two tours every year our spring tour start in chicago do the midwest go to texas cross california play california and end there and then we do an east coast tour from florida to boston area and back down again at the end of every summer and we've been doing that a good six or seven years now and our fans know exactly when we're going to be there probably the venue we're going to play and it's kind of just it's more like a reunion now than than a rock show. You know, we keep seeing the same people come back. They bring more friends. They bring more friends. And it's been, I don't, I I guess a couple decades of of just real growth. You know, not wow, not not flighty people or you know, it's it's not a trendy thing. It's just been truly organic. And I mean, we interact. But that's got to be comforting, though. Right. That's going to be comforting. Like every time we go to Boston, I know like Slayer Bill's going to be there. Like Bill with the Slayer shirt is going to be in the audience. That's got to be like. It's it's Grumpy Bill. And 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 I know exactly what presents he's going to bring me. Like he's going to bring us snacks, a huge snack bag of snacks for the kids and the crew. And I swear every city we we know our our core people and you know they they still go out and they poster things and they'll flyer for us and you know one of the things that we've we've started doing over the past i guess it's the past three years is you know we we try to maintain our our mailing list for email um but we also try to collect addresses and so before every tour we send postcards to all of our fans whose address we have and it's just like a little invite. It's like, hey, we're coming to your town. Here are the dates. You know, and that's, people are like, I can't believe you sent me mail. And they'll bring it to the show and we'll sign it. And it's strangely been a really impactful thing for for the fans. And I think it's part, part of what has helped the touring growth, which is kind of strange. I think we kind of make them feel guilty if they don't go. And they can't forget because they'll put it on their refrigerator or something. And mm-hmm. the dope dollar are coming in, in a month. Can't forget. But, yeah, it's kind of a weird thing that we've done a little bit And different. that's smart, too. There's a bit of P.T. Barnum in that. When I used to play for my old band, even Steven, we had a buddy, Pickle. And this guy was just a party animal. And I had yes, this picture of him vomiting. And it's just like this greatest vomit picture. And this is back like uh-huh. before you could print your own pictures. Like I had to go to like the photo hut. And I'd always make like 30. We have a song called Pickle too about him. It's like a 30 second thrash song. And I and I always print up like 30 of these pictures of him throwing up the same picture and hand write the pickle lyrics on the back and just chuck them into the audience during the pickle yeah. song. Yeah. And I was like, That's I always awesome. tried to come at it with a P.T. Barnum kind of flair because I think that is what yeah. punk music at its roots has to have kind of that stage presence and that P.T. Barnum yeah. vibe, that vaudevillian type of vibe. I grew up on Alice Cooper mm-hmm. and punk songs and, you know, a little bit of like yeah. weird stuff in between. And I, I've i always just kind of had that vaudevillian thing with me. That's cool. Yeah, that's a great idea. Well, so. And it makes a connection, right? They're like, Dad, this, I got a picture of this guy, Pickle. And Pickle yeah. has told yeah. me he's been in bars before Odell, like in Virginia Beach. And somebody was like, wait, aren't you that Pickle guy? And he's like, people oh, know me cool. just from your band. Well, now, granted, band, yeah. they know him for drinking out, drinking vodka out of a dirty plunger, but they know him. Hey. They know and him. he enjoys they it. Know. All right, let's get ready to wrap oh, this up. That's cool. <laughs> 
Um, what do you guys have coming up? I know it's kind of a loaded question nowadays, but what are you working on? What are you getting ready to release? What are you getting ready to do? Like, are you doing more on stage? It. What kind of stuff do you have coming up? Well, we will continue our every other week shows on stage. It. I'm not sure what we're going to play because we were doing Dolly Rock records and that was somewhat easy for me to do with my radio show because I've got to go relearn the songs. Um, we used to do cover shows. You know, we do like, you know, just the Ramones or we do like just, you know, British punk or we do a Beatles show. So we'll probably start doing some more of those, even though my brain will implode. Um, we're working on a, a Dr. Demento covers record. Uh, we're doing a couple nice. of times for that. I think, yeah, it's coming out in the fall. Um, I've done a little singing on a, a punk band's new record, but I don't, I'm not allowed to say it yet. Um, Seminole Lookout nope. Records kind of band. Um, so if that wasn't the Britney that, Spears I, cover, I, was it? No, that was Pink Pink Spiders. We toured with them, and okay. they've been putting out a new song every Friday. And yeah, they're like, "That's awesome. this crazy idea!" Like, will you sing Britney Spears "Toxic" with us? And I was like, "Of course I will." Um, <laughs> yeah, so that came out last week. Um, that was great. Lewis and I are. It, it was. It turned out way better than I thought it would too. Um, <laughs> but we we've got a recording studio at home, so you know we have been recording and writing when we can because we have two very tiny children and no one can watch them anymore. So it's a little crazy. <laughs> um, we just don't sleep. We pretty much work until like four in the morning and then take turns getting up when the kids get up and then take a nap in the afternoon. It's it's a little bit sick, I think, but it's cool. <laughs> Not forever, hopefully. <laughs> Um, but we're gonna we were planning to release a a 45 maybe actually a 10 inch record which we've never done on wicked cool records in the fall um so that that's probably still going to happen and we're hoping to reissue one of our earlier records on vinyl um in the, either the end of this year or early spring so we're we have to deal with some legal stuff for that so got to get some approvals and licensing done but yeah i mean i'm just Doing a radio show every day and doing the Dolly Rocks every night as much as we can. Right on. All right. Well, where can everyone find you on the interwebs? Uh, I am at Kelly Dolly Rot everywhere. Um, The Dolly Rocks are at the Dolly Rocks everywhere. And we do all our own social media, of course. So we we like talking to people. Feel free to say hi or send us a joke or tell us to go to hell. Tell us that you're going to burn our records and throw them in the trash and I'll say thank you. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't even burned Ted Nugent records, and if any record needed burned, it was Uncle Ted. So I think you'll be oh, safe. Man, I we got our first picture of that. It, it was this guy, and he tried to make it look like he had a lot of our merch that was in a pile, but I could tell some of it wasn't ours. But it, it was a Are you good serious? That was, oh yeah, like the records are all snapped, and the covers were bent in half, and yeah, yeah. And yet somehow oh you're gosh. still playing music. How did you yeah. move on? Know, How did you oh persevere from that? It's crazy, right? <laughs> you should write that guy um, like years later and tell him, you know, you made me quit and I'm a florist now. <laughs> just to see oh, what he'll, yeah, just of, he'll just start burning flowers. Oh, see, can't do it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, it's let me thank you. I for... held up at gunpoint. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That was amazing. <laughs> Um, anyway, thank you guys for having me. If people want to hear me in the mornings, I'm on 4 to 8 a.m. Eastern time on Sirius XM Channel 21. So and they let you do that garage. at home, or you have to drive out into a studio? Uh, I do it from home. I upload it 
and or I, you know, somehow I connect into the satellite by magic. What a world there you we go. So yeah. All righty, Kelly. Amazing. I can't thank you enough. This has thank been a lot you, of fun. We'll be in touch. It's been great talking to you guys. Thank you. No, it's awesome. All righty, we will be back in two weeks. We're coming back July first, right, Odell? I think it is, man. Right before Independence Day. You know, I'm getting ready <laughs> to um, do my 500th, not of this podcast, but all the podcasts I've done together. I'm getting ready to Holy hit episode cow. 500. Uh, and wow. I, I, Amazing. Yeah, I don't know what to do. I'm trying to find something special to do for 500. I don't know how to top some of the stuff I've done, though. It would be hard coming up with new ideas for that all the time. Oh, yeah, and I've done every kind know. of show from um, Drunken Trivia with me and Dee had a show where we played different comedians and actors and trivia on air. <laughs> I, I had a political show for a long time until my life got really messed up from doing politics. I used to write for political online sites, and we had a political podcast called The Ignorance Equation. So I've done a lot of different uh-huh. stuff. But I'm hitting 500 yeah. now, and I don't I don't want to just do a regular show for 500. So I think this is like four. You can do a 12 hour. Wait, you've already done that. Yeah, I've already, we've already done a 12 hour episode. <laughs> oh my I told God. him I'm not doing another 12 hour episode. I'm not doing it. She's I felt like D was, uh, I could feel D doing the Vader thing to me as I said that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> They're like closing up the hands together. I was like, <laughs> well, we launched our podcast network. We used to have a podcast network called Tin Can Media. We did a 12 hour episode oh, and we yes. went through Mixler Live. But I wanted to do a 24-hour episode, but you could only do a max of 12 hours on Mixler live. <laughs> Otherwise, oh, I would have done a 24-hour episode. If you ever do that again and you need somebody at, you know, 3 in the morning, I'm your person. Right there on. You go. I was <laughs> Don't make E strangle me. All right, no, we're out. I did the entire 12 hours. It was, it was a monster. I want to play Popeye. <laughs> no. Video system. Good night, everybody. Well, thank you, guys. Good night, guys. Bye. Hey, no problem, Bye. Kelly. Thank you.
think that it's safe Think that it's safe to go out mm. Working 